with a lot of people for certain situations? How do we make the punishment fit the crime? Let's have another little, uh, little experiment. Now, um, don't take this one too seriously, and please don't judge your neighbours as to how they respond. I was going to suggest you all close your eyes, but I thought you'd probably cheat anyway, so we won't bother. So what I'd like you to do is you are now the jury. You're the jury. I'm going to present you with a scenario, and if you think the person who I'm talking about should go to prison, you can put up a hand. If you strongly believe they should go to prison or have some punishment, so be punished, then you can put up two hands. If you're slightly ambivalent one, if you think they shouldn't be punished, then don't put up your hands. So the scenario is that uh, a young person has gone into a house fairly near here and found an old person there and killed them. Should they be punished? Yes or no? Hands up or hands down now? Hands up if they should be punished, hands down if not. Okay, easy. Second scenario, a young person who has suffered abuse throughout their life and has been on drugs, is high on drugs, goes into a house, encounters an old person, is surprised and scared by that old person, lashes out, the old person dies. Should that young person be punished, yes or no? Hands up if they should be punished. Third scenario, the young person has been abused for much of their young life and is on drugs, goes to the house of the abuser to have it out with the abuser. There is an argument, and in the heat of the moment, the young person kills the old person. Should they be punished? The old person is a paedophile. Do you see the problem? What's justice? And it's interesting, some of you were putting your hands up at the end, and then... It changed a bit, you know, ooh, paedophile, bad thing. So it's very, very complicated. What's the solution? Well, there's a very popular solution in a lot of the media at the moment. If we can have the next slide. Justice League, superheroes. What do superheroes do? What do people do in films to get justice? Well, the general model of a lot of these films is you hit people and blow things up. Uh, I do quite enjoy these films, actually. Um, and uh, so, so, uh, Helen, Ellen's uh, son, Simon, and I have, uh, have a good time discussing these because uh, we both agree um, that you know, this sort of film is, is great fun. And good comes out at the end. Good wins. Bad people are punished. They're usually very bad, and they're usually very punished by the end. Large swathes of America are usually laid waste in the process, and nobody talks about the repair bill, but it works. Justice. Blow them up. Hit them. Smash them. Catch them. Very effective. But that's not God's solution, is it? That's not what God suggests. Let's have a think a bit about what God actually talks about in terms of the solution. Uh, Chris talked about this earlier. The crucifixion. Jesus dying on the cross. That, in a way, is the most extraordinary example of injustice. He was an innocent man who was tried 
in a jumped-up court, in fact, twice, once before Herod and once before the Sanhedrin, had false witnesses, people bearing false witness against him, fake news being presented in the court as though it was truth. He was unjustly tortured during the process and then subject to Roman execution. And to top that, a convicted criminal who had murdered people, who certainly some people would regard it as innocent, Barabbas was set free. And that's at the heart of God's view of justice. So there's something going on here that we need to think about very carefully. God's view of justice is a bit different to our view of it must be balanced, it must be lawful, it must be me getting what I deserve and other people definitely getting what they deserve for the bad things they've done. And if I get a little bit more than I deserve, that's a freebie. If somebody else does, that's unjust. It's not how God looks at justice. Jesus' crucifixion is an expression of God's justice and God's love in complete union with each other. Jesus said, well, look, you know, if you're well, you don't need a physician. I've come to help the sick. And he was talking about us as the sick, the people who need healing. John 3.16, the famous verse that sort of encapsulates the story of the gospel. There's something going on there about God restoring his creation, about making us well, and he regards that as justice in action. That's God being just with us, a bit different from the Justice League. Let's have a look at the next one. Just a couple of things, and again, this is all, you know, sort of complicated, deep, deep stuff that I would really encourage you to, to take away and, and think about a lot more um, on your own, in your small groups, with your families, friends, whoever you find it helpful to sort of talk these things through. Do you remember the parable of the workers who were, who were paid the same? Anybody remember that parable? It's pretty weird. I mean, and to me, as somebody who works in a very money-focused uh, arena, you know, when you talk about this parable, it comes across as massive injustice. The basic story is people waiting to be hired in the marketplace. So, you know, imagine these days you're an Uber driver. So you've, you've typed into the app saying, yes, I'm available. And work pops up immediately. And the deal today is not that you get paid by journey, but you are going to get paid £1,000 for a day's work. Starts at nine, ends at five, £1,000, and that's after tax. And it's yours. Okay, so you just spend your time driving to and from Gatwick, around to Haywards Heath, down to Brighton. It's all pretty straightforward. £1,000 for that, pretty easy money. All you have to do is at the end of the day, you drive to the Uber office in Crawley, and they're actually going to give it to you in cash as well. Very nice. Thank you very much. When you get to the office in Crawley, you discover that there is somebody else who you know, next door neighbor, same sort of car as you, same sort of house, same sort of situation, 
they were waiting all day watching sports TV or whatever it was and sitting around and larking about with their family. And then their app popped up at 10 to 5 and said, give this person a lift into Crawley next to the Uber office and we'll pay you a thousand pounds. So they jumped in their car and they took the passenger to the Uber office and there they were waiting for their thousand pounds. You have worked all day driving to and from Brighton and the airport, various other places, for a thousand pounds, and somebody's done ten minutes' work for it. Is that fair? Clearly not. Clearly not. There should be some time-based, quality-based, effort-based system of rules that says, for every ten minutes' driving, there is a purse, there is a fee, and you add it all up at the end of the day, and I should get more, because I've worked harder. Jesus says... The owner of the vineyard was a just employer. He was paying people what he promised. Jesus says that's an example of treating people fairly. Now, I find it hard to agree with Jesus on that point, which is not necessarily a great place to be when you're preparing a sermon. But, you know, being honest, I look at that parable and I think, well, you know, that's a bit. So clearly Jesus wants me to think about it. God's perspective on judgment is different. The famous parable and that extraordinary analogy that probably meant more to carpenters than it necessarily does to most of us who don't go near woodwork these days. Why are you talking to the uh, small child in your family about the way they chew when you've got your head in the soup? Might be an alternative way of putting it. You're in your face down in the ice cream bowl blowing bubbles and you're grumbling about your small child who's picking their nose at the table. You know, it's the hypocrisy that Jesus recognized in our judgments of other people. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye, pay no attention to the plank in your own? And God's perspective on revenge is different. The Justice League is not the way God operates. Not an eye for an eye, but turn the other cheek. Somebody steals your cloak, sort of run after it and give him more. You know, it's just bizarre. Really? Really? Somebody puts a bomb next to you on the tube and it doesn't quite work and you're injured and then you meet them. How should you behave towards them? There's a suggestion there that is different to the way that I feel. So I need to think about it. And I need to engage with God because... God clearly wants me to think differently and behave differently because he does. And he wants me to be more Christ-like, more like him. And why does God want us to think differently and behave differently? Why does God want us to reach out to others, to be missionaries where we work? or to go to other places to express God's love. Well, it's because he wants other people to be in relationship with him. 
So the final point really is what does God require of you? It's about loving our neighbours and we all know from what Jesus taught who our neighbours are they're the people we love they're the people we live next door to they're the people in our families but they're also our enemies the people we hate the strangers we don't trust Micah says we're called to act justly but we need to think carefully about that's acting justly in God's terms, not Justice League. We have to love mercy, not just think it's a good idea, not just think it's a, a pleasant concept that we can apply selectively. We have to love mercy. And we have to walk humbly with our God. If we're walking humbly with God, think about what that means. We're, we're not sort of telling God, hey God, those workers in that vineyard, look, you made a big mistake there. That's not humility. That's not really even listening. That's, no, 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 hang on a second, God. I've got an opinion, and you need to listen to me, because I've got it right. I work in the city, and this is how you do bonus systems, all right? It's very simple. No, that's, that's not humility. We've got to walk humbly with our God. We have to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Seeing ourselves as God sees us and loving ourselves is very important. But that's only stage one. We have to express that grace and that love and that wholeness that God brings to those around us. So that we're called to bring healing. To feed those who have not earned it. I've deliberately just tweaked Matthew 25 to try and sort of Make you think a little bit more about what it really means. Because I think it's very easy to just, you know, feed those who are hungry. Yes, of course, I see some hungry people and I feed them. What about if they're hungry and lazy? What about if they're fat? Do they deserve another burger? Do they deserve more cake? Matthew, Jesus didn't talk about feed those who are hungry and deserve to be fed. He said... Feed those who are hungry. Welcome those who've entered illegally. Would you stand in Dover and hug people climbing off lorries from Calais? You know, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's complicated. There are lots of reasons not to hug people who've come off lorries in Calais. They might have fleas. <laughs> They might be criminals. They might steal from you. It might actually be economically better for them if they hadn't come, and therefore we need to find ways of sending them somewhere else. You know, we can think about all of these things with lots of good reasons for doing things differently. And I'm not trying to tell you what you should do or should not do. And I'm not trying to tell you what you should think or should not think. But I am just wanting to flag that God is saying some quite challenging things here. And I know I spend quite a lot of time rationalizing those things away. I see a guy on London Bridge every day when I walk past who is clearly on drugs and wrapped in his sleeping bag and just holding out his cup and he's stoned out of his head. And I think, I don't want to give him money 
because he'll spend it on drugs. So I am rationalizing why I should not help. It's what I do, and I do that every day. I feel a bit uncomfortable about doing that when I read that. And I'm not sure what the right thing is to do. You might have a different view. You might behave differently in that situation. We need to talk to God and think about these things. Because loving our neighbours is at the heart of what God wants us to do as a, as a people. We were talking earlier about children's work and all the great things that go on from this church out into the community. That's an expression of God's saving grace to the people around us. You know, we could go to very far-flung fields, but actually the statistics at the moment say that more than half of people in this country sort of do not have a faith at all in anything. And a great many people these days have grown up, they are the second or third generation in a sort of family that's lived in the UK for many generations where they do not go to church and they don't know about Jesus. So you can't just look around and think, yeah, you know, if I talk about sin and salvation and stuff, they'll remember from Sunday school, because the generation now won't. They've never been. They've never been in a place like this unless they're going to visit because it's cultural, historical. So our mission field here and now is amazingly important. But how we are missionaries is also incredibly important. God loves justice. He doesn't want to see the poor oppressed. He doesn't want to see laws made that are wrong. He doesn't want to see people cheating. But he doesn't want to see us in the position of the judge who decides whether it's cheating or not. He wants us to be his eyes and his hands and his feet and to love our neighbours with the love of Christ and to show them God's grace. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that you will empower us and inspire us to act justly. To be just in the ways that we act and we behave and we think, but just in your frame of reference, not our own. To walk humbly with you, Lord, to listen to your words and your teaching, to love mercy, and to love our neighbours as you have loved us. In Jesus' name. Amen.